The following episode of TOEFOP is rated MA for mature audiences. It may contain sexual references, time travel references, allegations of bin misconduct, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that this episode is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who thinks a comedy conversation between two old mates sounds like a terrible idea for a show. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax. This is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello, and thank you for watching. Uh, Will, I'm sorry about having to uh, postpone the the start time of today's record, but I have a good reason. I have a good reason, uh, and it relates to the show. Well, sort of relates to the show. I know that people have become enamoured with my uh, stories of my mundane existence, and I have a story to tell. That, uh, that concluded mere minutes ago, Will. In fact, I had to delay the start of this show just so I could see this story out to the end. And that is one of the kind of troubling offshoots of doing this podcast and knowing that people enjoy these stories is now that I'm finding myself getting involved into these strange stories just because in, in my head I'm like, well, in the worst case scenario, I'll have something to talk about on TOEFOP. I mean, I don't think that is the worst case scenario. I think like you've got plenty of time these days. Like people are always like, what can I do when I'm a dad? Because most of the time I have to have attention on my child and like, you know, keeping her safe and raising her well and providing for her in an adequate way. But what you can do in your in-between time, you, you don't have time to read a book. You don't have time to sit down and binge a TV series. You've just got little snippets of time that you've got to fill in between raising your child, right? Am I that's painting right. a, an accurate scenario? Yeah, for, yeah, I'd that's, say that's right. That's for adventures. You don't have time for mm. full-blown adventures. You have time for a series of mundane adventures. Little things that's, that you can correct. just squeeze into your life. Yeah, like it's not going to be, you know, like teen movie hijinks. It's not going to no. be American Pie. You don't have or... the time for that. You don't no, have time like to warm the... up and fuck a pie. <laughs> no, like it's not even road trip. I was thinking about road tripping the other day. No. You, you were saying that, you know, you've been driving back and forth between your house and, and Sydney, and I was like... Mm. Even that seemed exhausting, especially... Can I tell you the just that yeah. your instincts are correct? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, before this podcast started, you said, Will, you were sitting in the dark, and the reason was I'm so exhausted that I couldn't summon the energy to get out of my chair and walk <laughs> around this table and turn on the lamp that is in front of me. But even that felt like a journey too far after the fact that I've driven 20 hours in the last four days or whatever. Oh. A killer. I've, I was listening to a, a, another podcast where it was like a group of friends talking about a road trip they did to the Grand Canyon. And it was like a five day, 2,500 mile trip. And they were like, you know, it was a funny, like they're telling funny stories and where they stopped. And I'm listening going, this sounds like fucking hell. Like to know I'm having to drive like eight to 10 hours a day and I have to do that for five days before I even get to my destination I think there was a time in my life where, well, we road tripped together a couple of times and then there, right. I had heaps of mates that we did maybe like a two or three day road trip, but there was a lot of drugs involved back then, you know, <laughs> or at least alcohol. Like there was stuff to take the edge off. And I mean, essentially we used to just do this, but not record it and just show it to yeah. other people. Like, I mean, if you want to know what our road trips were like, it was pretty much just this podcast, but in a car. If you're listening to it in a car, it was very similar to what we were doing. 
Yeah, and in fact, this this entire podcast was birthed on a road trip. It was, yeah. it was when we were driving up the east coast of Australia and just listening to other people's podcasts and going, we can do that. It's just two people talking shit. <laughs> yeah, we are doing that in between these podcasts. We would pause the podcast and we would do a podcast. We just didn't know that we were doing a podcast at the time. I mean, I even went out last night. We had um, a couple of friends come down from Brisbane and uh, in, the, in the Southern Gold Coast on a Sunday night, there is a drum circle that happens every Sunday night, like traditional mm-hmm. old school barefoot hippie drum circle where like what there's two, I wouldn't say stages because it's just set up in the park, but there's two ring lights set up. So arenas, one is for fire twirling and one is for drum circling. So the drum circle is probably about, I'd say between 20 and 30 drummers and then probably anywhere between 30 and 60 dancers in the drum circle. So Often on a Sunday, we'll take Iona down to the beach, you know, we'll maybe get some fish and chips down there. Then as the sun goes down, the drum circle starts up, we'll go watch the drum circle. Now, here's what I'll say about drum circles is, and come at me, drum circle aficionados, because I feel like you've seen one drum circle. They can't come at you. They can surround you. That's what they're very good at. (laughs) But I feel like you've seen one drum circle. You've seen them all. Because seen them all. I guess there is some kind of, and I, you know, I, I am fully claiming ignorance. I don't know culturally where yeah. they originated. I don't know if it's specific to like South yeah. America or the African continent or whatever it is. But, you know, the yeah. idea is everyone just gets together and just creates a giant rhythm and then everyone feels the rhythm and they all start dancing. And occasionally a dude with white dreadlocks will lead a chant. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> the thing that happens in this drum circle. So... Yeah. Uh, I feel like it may not be representative of all drum circles around the world. There may no. be very culturally appropriate drum circles. You're just describing this particular brand of drum circle. Well, I did think that maybe there was like a giant amount of cultural appropriation going on. But then the more I've mingled in this drum circle, the more I've realized there are people from all kind of countries and backgrounds coming here. So I'm thinking that maybe it is like a intercontinental tradition that this kind of conservative, scared, right. middle-aged white circle. man doesn't understand. <laughs> It's it's primitive. It's primal. It's about rhythm and getting in a circle and communing with other people and just like feeling it, feeling connected to each That's other, and so... feeling connected to the planet Earth, and like you know, it's like it's instinctive. Like I see that. Like the circle has always, throughout, like the stories that we've told each other, like signified, you know, like let the circle be complete. Like the yep. wheel revolutionized what we are as human beings. We live on a globe, like circles and seeing things in full circles the season coming around like you know the passing of the years all these sort of things our clocks are represented as circles you know we look at the passage of time in a circle so i i get the power of a circle yeah like i think circles just by the very nature of them if i see a whole bunch of people in a circle i'm like what's going on over here oh well look why have they got that biscuit in the middle (laughs) that's horrible this is horrible just excuse me for one second. I realise I've left the baby monitor up, and so my oh, yeah. owner might start screaming in a second. Let me just turn it down. Hang on. Yeah, sure. Responsible parenting. This is not Dad Pod. He wouldn't just turn the baby monitor down on Dad Pod. I assume that there's somebody else actually there in the house, and Charlie's just turning down the monitor. He's not just saying, "Okay, podcasting is very important." And I need to uh, continue to do it regardless of the safety of my baby. Once again, proving that the key to good parenting is just being able to turn the baby monitor down when things get too loud. That was what I was talking about while you are gone. <laughs> that very thing. <laughs> we have become one. We don't even need the other one to be here for this conversation to continue. <laughs> but you're right. 
it's the power of the circle because I was standing there watching all these people dancing with abandon, barefoot in the dirt, you know, feeling the rhythm and stuff. And I was, I could not switch off the cynical part of my brain. Like I couldn't switch off like the judgmental yeah. cynical part of my brain. And so then I was like, well, why don't I turn this high powered cynicism on myself and start judging me? Wow. Like, why is it that I have to hate a good time? Why can't I allow these people? Why am I? Because I was watching it going, oh, it's so try hard. And what is all this shit? And like, are people actually coming down here cause for the, to feel the rhythm and something primal? Or is it to hook up and smoke weed and all that kind of stuff? And then I'm like, who cares? They're all good things. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, that's right. That's where I was getting to. <laughs> And so I was having all these thoughts and because there's been a couple of times where, you know, someone in the drum circle has like, hey, you know, why don't you come join in? And I'm always like, no, no, no. Gemma's joined in. Iona's joined in. She's like got her dirty feet. But I've always been like, ah, I'm too self-conscious and I don't know. Like, I think I'd just be judging myself the whole time. And I love to dance. Don't get me wrong. I love to cut a rug. If you invite me to your wedding, I will dance. I will dance. I will dance the Fandango. But there's something about this kind of dancing that I was like, ah, it's almost like. It's like when I went to uni and did my arts course and it was like an arts campus oh, yeah. and everyone was much more blue-haired and nose-ringed than I was. And I remember like, you know, when I was doing these courses, yeah. these photography courses and film courses and stuff that I felt like I didn't, I wasn't cool enough. Like my references weren't cool enough. My language wasn't cool enough. You've always presented as an undercover Square cop. as square could be. <laughs> yeah. No, but like not square. You're not a square. You look like an undercover cop. Right. Like you look like a guy who's like very cool adjacent. Right. Like they've got together in the police station and gone, this guy needs to infiltrate these group of people, <laughs> dress him in what cops think these people are wearing and what talking about, you know what I mean? Wrestling. I bet they're into wrestling. Talk about wrestling hopes. So it's funny you should say that because, oh, so I'm watching this like, you know, these people dancing with abandon and you know, um, the fire twirlers, you know, twirling their things around and and having this conflict and, and not joining in while everyone else either observing or participating seemed to be enjoying the spirit of what was going on. In it. The only other people who were standing next to me staring on, judging? Yeah. Cops. Cops. <laughs> <laughs> there was four uniformed and two plainclothes officers standing about 10 feet from me having exactly this, well, I'm sure they're having different kind of thoughts. I'm probably trying to see if anyone's like smoking weed or, or whatever it is. But I was just like, oh my God, I'm a cop. <laughs> I'm a goddamn yeah. cop. You're an undercover cop. They probably nodded at you. They probably gave you a wink. They knew you were on the job. Yeah, it was weird, man. It was just like, because, you know, like I've, we've got friends who are alternative and we've gone to parties and I've socialized in these circles and stuff and I can definitely hang out, but... There's something about, it's like imposter syndrome, right? Like, I feel like, you know, I've gone to hoity-toity, arty events like gallery openings or whatever and met some really like, you know, hey man, like, I just, you know, the, the world is just like colors and I just interpret sound and, you know, that those kind of art, artistic types. And I always feel like not, able to communicate like that they're going to sniff me out that like uh, that i am agent smith and they've all taken they've all taken the red pill i was having this thought the other day i was listening to this uh podcast and they were talking about burning man oh yeah and actually it was a really it's a really interesting uh podcast it's about that woman who um started that company theranos 
do you know this story? Um, no. And anyway, like she was this young Silicon Valley whiz kid who claimed to invent this like blood testing technology that like was going to re- revolutionize the way that we do blood tests. And it was all just like, well, like, I mean, there's a trial on and all these sort of things, but basically it all was not true. And, but, okay. it, 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 but everyone was involved. Like she managed to get right. like, People in power, rich people, all these people kind of invested in her, vouch for her, thought she was this wonderkind. And it's like this explanation of her entire story. Like she changed her voice to like, you know, fit in to like manipulate. But anyway, it's fucking fascinating. I highly recommend it. But they were talking about Burning Man and them going to Burning Man Mm. because it's big in the Silicon Valley scene. Yeah. And I had a couple of opportunities when I was living in the US to go to Burning Man. I was think I would I would have liked to go to Burning Man. Not now, but like not now. But when it as was as soon as Carl Sanderlands yeah, no, started Christ, going, you're like <laughs> not now. But in that time when it wasn't the original Burning Man, but it was okay for people like me to be there. Like I didn't want to feel like yeah. the cop. Like you know. Yeah. I would have liked to go by myself. Or with some friend who also wanted to do it by themselves. So like maybe at mm. night you go and like, you know, touch base and you know, catch up or whatever and, you know, make sure each other was still alive or, you know, whatever it is. But basically that you would just, like, go and have... For me, that would be... I'm I'm never going to dance in a drum circle on the Gold Coast. But yeah. if I was at Burning Man by myself, I would dance in every fucking drum circle I came upon. Do you know what I mean? Like, that, mm. I, I, I want to be able to experience that. It's just not going to be part of my everyday experience or it could be like i could go like i live in the northern rivers in new south wales you think there's not a drum yeah. circle like it's easy for me to get in a drum circle than it is to get uber eats <laughs> i feel like i had that phase i had my eat pray love phase yeah. when i was in my backpacking years because i did go to big like beach dance parties and you know it's when i was traveling through india and thailand and vietnam and stuff i felt like i did do that part of that but i think something like so much has happened since then and i've established i was a searcher back then will i didn't know i thought i was jeff buckley <laughs> that's who i wanted to be i had the long hair and kept walking into rivers yeah kept walking like, in the rivers. charlie stop it <laughs> uh so i i feel like now when i see that stuff it's because i have and you know we both have friends who you know, they just are lovers of life. They're like, what's that? Which one of the the three musketeers is it? Otho or the one who just loves? He loves to women and he loves to drink and he loves to dance and you know, he's just he embraces life. And I think that if you've established that as your personality from the get go, right? Like Jules Lund, for instance. Jules Lund is a mate of ours, and he's one of those guys who just he'll throw himself into anything, a hundred percent. Not self conscious. He wants to dance, yeah. he'll dance. If he wants to look like a goose, he'll look like a goose. And it's almost like that the South Park philosophy where you can't get, he can't, he, he can't get, a, he can't be, we're not going to embarrass him because he does it in every circumstance. He just right. goes all out in every circumstance. So it's like, oh, well, he's consistent across the board. He just wants to suck the marrow out of life. So he's going to do everything oh, at a hundred percent. It gets to a point, I think, you know, when you're our age, where you, there's a part of you that's like, what did I miss out on by trying to be cool? Yeah. <laughs> like i was thinking about this recently where i was like there's a whole bunch of things that i would have liked to do and that i didn't do for whatever reason like even what you're saying like i never went to one of those big sort of went and you know had mushrooms and went to like a (laughs) dance party on a beach or anything like that like that wasn't because i sort of started doing stand-up really young Mm. like 
and then I sort of traveled a bit, you know, but only ever to do stand up. I never really had that typical finding. And then yourself. I assumed that I would at some stage, right? Yeah. And well, now, you are. You, the, but you're, now gonna, gonna, you're gonna <laughs> genuinely have that eat, pray, love thing because that's about a middle aged woman, you know, sort of like <laughs> discovering herself and falling in love, yeah. having an affair with a younger man. So, I mean, I yeah. think it's kind of, you know. I'm gonna be the younger man, you're saying? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, I don't think so. I think that time is as well into the well, I'm hearing. Great. But it, is, but it is funny, isn't it? Because I think you can go one of two ways. Like you can either choose to be super cool and that um, cachet will get you those experiences where you don't have to go full force into looking like a goose, but those events will come to you or you'll be given access to those events. You know what I mean? Like I don't know if I've told this story before, but I had this, I remember years ago, Jeremy and I were visiting friends in Byron and everyone was sort of all, uh, is it a titter or a Twitter when everyone's, oh, everyone's all talking? Is it a Twitter or a titter? Um, a Twitter. Everyone was all, all a Twitter. Everyone was all a titter. Everyone was talking <laughs> <laughs> about this dude who was like a local boy made good. He was some Byron musician. He'd gone to the oh. States. He got a record deal. He was now writing songs for big artists and stuff. And so he was now back in town and all the girls were hanging out with were like, Oh, you know, so-and-so's back in town. So-and-so's back in town. And they were just like talking him up, talking him up. And so he arrived at this party and he was like every bit that kind of bar and hipster, you know, he turns up in jeans and an unbuttoned denim shirt, barefoot with like a felt cap with a feather in it, big beard. And I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And again, that like thing in me is like, oh man, I'm not cool enough to talk to this guy. Like we're not going to yeah. get along because he's really yeah. cool and I look like an undercover cop. Um, and all the girls were just like falling over themselves. Like, cause you know, he was you know, making hits in LA and you know, blah, blah, blah. And so we start talking and straight away, we're not getting on. Like he does not like the cut of my jib. And I think he's a bit of a pretentious twat. Like it's just, you know, you I could not find... Enough. His, his senses are narc and he's he's probably carrying. Yeah. <laughs> he's like real sus on you. He's probably got like eight grams under his big felt hat. Well, I was hanging out with like probably eight girls. It was eight girls and me. So me and Jam and like seven of our friends. And then he turns up and it's like, oh, there's another rooster in the hen house. And he didn't like that. He probably yeah, used but to. there was a lot of hens. Yeah, a lot of hens. And so, but he and wanted to. The rooster was already spoken for by one of the hens. <laughs> yeah. Didn't matter. He didn't. He, he wanted to make sure that this rooster was going to be eight hens, man. Like that's one you and eight hens. That is more hens than you but can handle. But if you are a super you can handle, <laughs> you can't handle the truth. <laughs> it was too hot to handle. Uh, he he was, a, but I think he was a super alpha. Like he was a super alpha rooster, and it wasn't enough for him to have all the attention. He had to make sure that the other rooster was. Um, Completely subjugated. Like he, right. had to, he had to humiliate so It was me. a cock and a cuck. Yes, he needed to cuck me big time. Yeah. So it was just like little comments throughout the day, just little things to undermine. Because I, as you know, Will, have a fairly self-deprecating wit. And mm. so in the right company, that's you know taken well and everyone laughs. In the wrong hands, they take that self-deprecation and they reinforce it. They'll double down right. on the thing that you just said that's bad about yourself. That's a 
bad manners. Yeah. Like, don't you reckon? Is, that's just a bad joke. Yeah. Like, don't you understand social mores? Like, if someone is being self-deprecating, that's not an open invitation to jump on in. No, but it's a good way to cuck, a, to cuck another rooster in the hand. <laughs> I guess that's true. Yeah, that's true. So, anyway. You've just, you've just basically waddled up to him and revealed your insecurities and said, there you go. Yeah. What, Free what peck. What can you do with that? <laughs> <laughs> like if it was a cockfight, I've just given him the rays that are strapped to his claw. <laughs> just have at it. But literally, like, didn't protect. Like, you didn't even make him go to the effort of working out what your soft spots were. <laughs> you just sidled up and presented them. Hey, have you seen my tiny hands? Look at this. I've got small ears. <laughs> Sometimes I talk too much. I get nervous. <laughs> Uh, so he sizes me up and so there's a few comments and it gets to the point where I think we, I think we went to a bar, came back to this house and I was, by the end of it, I'm like, all right, I'm fucking, I'm not enjoying this. So he was like, you know, charming all the girls with these stories of celebrities, you know, in LA in one room. And so I go into the other room and in the other room, um, there were these baby, uh, literally, uh, chicks, like uh, baby baby chickens, were uh, in one of the rooms under a sun lamp. You know how they, you know, how they, uh, yeah. yeah. Catch them. Catch them, yeah. yeah. And so I'm sitting there, like, looking at these hens, and then, so I start getting curious about, like, oh, how do you, like, you know, how do you hatch a, a, a chick, and then what's the point for me? So I start reading on my iPhone like the whole thing about because I'm a fucking nerd <laughs> like how oh you have been but also you have been well and truly cucked this is what we're seeing is a man who went in the, these chickens could be my friend yes. I'm going to learn about this <laughs> so I was so like, all the girls including my wife my future wife yeah. are in there like chatting to this dude and I'm with the chicks literally being cucked yeah. being cucked with some cuck you're cucks like, both, you're, you're literally like we've both got a posse of chicks man <laughs> like whatever who hasn't got Heaps of chicks around it. Now, I can't remember what the factoid was that I found out, but it was some bit of trivia about chickens or chicks that the equivalent of like, you know, pigs can't look up or, or, or something like that. So I sort of have sort of tuned out to the conversation in the next room. But what I have heard, and I didn't really pick up on this, is he had started playing the piano. Obviously, one of the oh girls has been like, oh, Play us one of your this new is. songs. Like, well, you know, mm. since you asked nicely, here's something I've been working. This is, I, I wrote this when I was hanging out with Chris and Gwyneth and, you know, something, some fucking shit like that. Right? Maybe. Or he's fucking, you've been in the other room for who knows how long because you've blacked out, <laughs> like trying to learn about the cycle of chickens. And then he has just gone, well, this is my opportunity. Now, does anyone have a piano? Uh, definitely. That's what he would, like he was, he was taking, he was taking it up a notch to find out which yeah. of the hens he was going to be going home with that night maybe multiple mm -hmm. hens who knows yeah so he's playing the piano and i am so oblivious to that and so like enamored with this fact i've just found about chickens oh, no. that i just go walking right into the room loudly reading from my phone did you know that like the average of a chicken and like stop because he stops playing the piano i look up and he's staring like daggers at me mid ballad like seven girls on the floor like oh you know looking up at him like dreamily oh my god and he just stares at me and i'm like sorry bad time i'll i'll wait till you finish this song i'll come back oh my god so i go back and i'm like oh god and then that finishes up and then one of the girls is like oh there's a there's a beach party happening down at cozy corner um mm -hmm. if you guys want to go and so everyone's like, yeah, yeah. Not we'll you, Charlie. No Charlies. <laughs> so 
we go, oh, well, how are we going to get down there? There's seven of us. And he's going, well, I've got my ute because, of course, he drives a fucking ute. And he's like, so, you know, I can take like three girls in the front. Um, oh, it was a, no, sorry, it was a twin cab ute. So he yeah. could take pretty much all the girls in the front. And I had to get in the train. <laughs> We drove to the beach party with me in the train, just like bumping over all the fucking speed bumps and shit. My dog is called Charlie. This is how well I'm doing. Did you see that dude? He's doing pretty well in LA. His dog is a human pretending to be a dog. But then the weird thing was, and I'll never forget this, we got to the party. Mm. Well, it's not the weird thing, but it's something that I've I've ruminated over and I haven't quite got to what the insult was. Because we get to the party... Open the door, all the girls spill out. They start going down the beach path to the dance party. And so it's just me and him closing up the tray. And he says to me, did you grow up in the city? And I said, yeah. And he's like, hmm, yeah, I can tell. And then walked off. And I was like, I'm a city boy? Is that like, is that not acceptable? To be? I mean, aren't there cool people from the city? He's just been living in I mean, fucking LA. That's a giant metropolis. Yeah, I mean, it's a city. There is no, <laughs> you're screaming now yeah. into an empty void because <laughs> he's gone. But you finally thought of a comeback. You're like, hang on. It's been 10 years. You come back. <laughs> <laughs> 10 years, but I still haven't thought of a comeback. Like, but that is, I mean, even that, like, who cares if you're from the country or the city? I'm from the country. And I lived in the city for ages, and now I guess I live in the country again. I kind of half live in the city, I half live in the country. They're both good for different reasons. Mm. Shut up. Uh, well, his career's gone to shit. I'm really happy about that. I have kept I, half an eye <laughs> on his mm. career. You know, he was he was tipped to be the next whatever, and it just hasn't happened. And I'm like, good, I fucking hope you like writing jingles yeah. for Burger King for the next fucking 20 you know what, years. You know what you, you should send him? Some chicken facts. <laughs> just just an, an envelope. Cut, cut, cut out of magazines. And it's just a fact about a chicken. Fuck, man, that was a, that was a diversion. That was not even the story I wanted to tell uh, tonight. Um, um, I, I started off by saying uh, I only just made it to the, the podcast recording because of something that happened. So uh, I needed to get some printing done today, quite urgently. I needed to get a, a screenplay printed and bound, and a little kind of prospectus printed and bound, and. Um, I left it quite late. And so I was looking around this area where printers were. It was about 4 p.m. Most of them were closing at 4.30 or 5. But there was an office works. I'm like, brilliant. Office works opened at 9 p.m. I need it tonight. This will be great. So I drive to office works and uh, I go in there and um, I line up at the printing part. And the woman I speak to, let's say, I don't want to, let's just say she was not helpful. (laughs) Let's just say she had the attitude of someone who probably was overworking at Office Works a long time ago mm. and was not yep. going to go the extra mile. The customer was not always right. As far as she was concerned, the customer's always a fucking idiot, and here he is right now asking for something that is not possible. Because I, okay. I went up and I said, hey, look, um, uh, I said, I just need these two documents printed and bound. It's kind of urgent. Would I be able to get these done? Is there anything I could do to get these done tonight? Like, you know, I can come back at 9 p.m. if that helps, you know, like four hours. And she was like, absolutely not. And she's gone tomorrow at best. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I said, this is just a black and white document. You know, I could just print it off there and just give it to you to bind. And this other one, it's color, but it's only like six pages. Uh, I said, is there anything I can do? 
to speed up the process? Like if I if I print it off myself, mm-hmm. and you just bind it? Absolutely not. And I'm like, okay. I said, I really need this done by tonight. And she's like, well, I suggest you look somewhere else. And I'm like, oh, oh. okay, oh. all right, okay. So I go to the car park, and I'm like, I'm at this point, I'm like, fuck Office Works. I will never go back to Office Works yeah. ever again. Okay. But I, I look up printers and like all of them. Office jerks. Office there jerks, exactly. That one's for you for free. Uh, that, but that is Charlie because I quite like Office Works and I do. I love that. Office Works. I'm there all the time. In fact, maybe I should have not. It was, well, it wasn't Office Works. Let's just say it was a no. major stationary retailer. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, exactly. It was. Um, Waffles Works. Uh, yeah, exactly. Waffles Works. <laughs> we all know Waffles Works. So I, uh, I, I look, go to the car and I jump on the phone and. There's, there's a few printers around, but they're all closing. There's one that's a commercial printers, and I'm like, well, maybe I can go there. I know they're normally used to doing yeah. like 2,000 print runs and stuff, but maybe if mm. the machines are still warm, I can go up and just talk them into it. Yeah. Drove up there and quickly <laughs> and found, found out, out that, that you were incorrect. I was incorrect. <laughs> Those dudes. Not- Come on, mate. Aren't the machine's still a bit warm. <laughs> can you not just run us a few? Those dudes on the factory floor were not yeah. into the... They did not like the cut of my... Much no. like... Uh, Byron Bay musician. They did not like the cut of my jib. I was a city boy, as far as they were concerned. Yeah, they were like, "Where'd you grow up, mate?" Yeah, I was like, "Where's your women? We want to cuck you." Yeah. So, with no options, I go back to Office Works. The woman who served me was not there though, and her okay. her junior, I guess, was there. She was a younger girl. So I go up and I reintroduce myself and reintroduce my. My, my needs uh, I need this printed tonight and I said I understand that you know you got, you got a backlog I said but if there's anything I can do to help you speed up the process I can print it myself and she was like oh look she's gone look I can she said I can put you on like I guess a waiting list she said I've had some woman put an order in but I've just tried, tried to run her credit card and it's not going through so I guess you can take her spot can't guarantee it's going to happen tonight though at best first thing tomorrow morning so in my head I'm like fuck first thing tomorrow morning doesn't really help, but it's better than nothing because I can go to work and then, you know, maybe I can get Gemma to courier it to me or whatever it is. So I said, yep, go ahead, book it in. And then um, I'm like, all right, well, actually, what would you do in the situation, Will? So you have to print one 95-page black and white document and you have to print one 12-page color document. What's your next step? You've got, what, with, with, you've got the office work printing facilities, a self-serve, and that's about it. What are you doing? Um, well, I guess I, I mean, I, well, what, what which one's going to take longer? I, I imagine that the um, black and white, uh, I would just put that on first and then I would go and do the color while the black and white was printed. Okay. Exactly what my thoughts as well. I'm like, okay, mm. I'll get this done. It's not really a timing issue. It's more about a presentation issue. These need to look slick and professional. The reason you go oh, yeah. to Office Works to get stuff printed and bound is it looks smicko. Mm. The issue when you do it yourself is, sure, I've got a pile of papers, but how do I make that look presentable? Yep. And so I was like, God damn it, what am I going to do? And then I'm like, like Marty McFly at the end of Back to the Future, when he arrives back in Hill Valley and he's like, God damn it, if only I had more time. Then he's like, wait a minute, I'm in a time machine. I was like, if only I had some stationery to make this look more presentable. Then I'm like, wait a minute. Why? <laughs> I'm in Waffles Irks. Come with me and you'll be. And I do have that feeling about Office Works. Like it is one of yeah. those stores 
that I actually find I can spend quite a bit of time in. I find it quite invigorating to just look at all the different things that I can, you know, create oh, and write with. I would love to have all that stuff. Hmm. Like for me, like I'm quite hard to buy for. Like, but the idea of just being able to walk into an office works and just go, you know what? One of everything. I do need, I just need like some different colored pens. <laughs> Or I need, you know what I mean? Like, I just want to try some shit out. There's some shit in office works that I know I don't really need. But, like, I just, like, and, like, you know what I would love? I would love to one day go in and buy that two kilogram, you know, bag of minties. <laughs> what about the giant Arnott's Family Assorted? Have you seen those ones? Yeah. Like, sacks. Yeah. I want a assorted. factory floor size of Family, <laughs> family Assorted. So, I start perusing. So, what I need is... Yeah. So, like, generally when you bind a screenplay, you've got a couple options. You can either do that plastic kind of spine, you know, the plastic loop spine, or you can go the three hole punch with the brass studs that you bend through and then a nice, Mm -hmm. you know, cover, a leather or plastic cover that you can put over that, just make it Mm -hmm. nice and presentable. So, I'm going down the aisles and I'm looking at my options and I'm like, okay, so they've got all these machines just out on the shelves, like, you know, plastic spine binding machines and and stuff and, and so i'm googling like how do you use a <laughs> plastic like spine binding machine because i got no fucking idea and so i'm looking at that and i'm like oh i think that's too complicated so i finally decide on hole punch i can i know how to hole punch it's it's friggin easy so i'm looking for one of those giant industrial hole punches because there's 94 yeah. pages in this script don't find one of those but what they do have the biggest one they have is a it's called a heavy duty hole punch, but it does thirty pages at once. So I, I roughly need to do it three times, and then I'm done. So I'm looking at it, and I'm like, eighty bucks, eighty bucks for this fucking hole punch. Yeah, it's a big investment. It's a right? big investment for something I'm probably going to use once. Plus, yeah. that lady was a real, she was a real piece of work, and I didn't want to. Plus, maybe well, I don't want to skip ahead on the story, but there is a third option that you would have here. What's that? Well, I mean, you are in the office works and you're not going to leave the office works. Can you not just use the stapler and put it back? Because technically... Stapler the, or the, the, whole, the, the whole punch? No, the, the whole punch, I mean. Okay. Can you not just, like, you, you technically you're in the shop, right? Yep. And you're buying the paper. Mm-hmm. Like, so that bit of it, you're not, like, ripping them off in any way. Or you, it's not like a whole punch runs out of punches mm. right yeah. like so for them there's no loss if you've just like punched three times like who knows when i get a whole punch i don't know how many times someone's well, had a cheeky punch of it you're allowed to take a car for a test drive what's yeah. wrong with taking a whole punch for a test drive okay well no. you're correct i did take option three but here's the thing the heavy duty hole punch was not just out on the mm. shelves it was no. boxed up like taped up boxed up mm-hmm. so i'm like okay I'm just going to discreetly like take the tape off, mm. discreetly open mm. it up. And when I opened it up, it had like lots of kind of like bindings. And so I'm being very careful not to tear anything, not to yeah. damage the box, not to tear the tape. And so I'm kneeling on the floor of <laughs> the office works, just like piece by piece taking this box apart. So like I, I take the tape off, I open the box, careful not to rip any of the, the tabs. I take out the whole punch and it's got this kind of plastic bind keeping like the, the punch arm down. So I slip that off carefully, making sure not to break it. And I finally uh, get it out and then I have to unfold the measure. So you've got an A4 bit of paper. So just to make sure that the holes are all lined up. 
So 30 pieces of paper, I've got 94 pages. So very discreetly, I get the first 30 pages and, I, and I'm trying to do it really quietly. Like I don't want anyone to know. So I do the first one. And I see this little girl, like 11-year-old girl come around the corner. And she sort of just like stops and stares at me. And I'm like, all right. And so I get the second pile of 30 out and I'm sliding it in. And I'm doing it really carefully and slowly because I don't want to attract attention. Uh And this girl's watching me the whole time. And I'm like, (laughs) all right. And so I wait for, she just stares at me. And then she goes, I wait for her to go. And then I do the the second 30 pages. I'm like, all right, just one more. I'm fucking home and host. (laughs) So then I get the last 34 pages and I'm sliding in. The little girl comes back with the manager, (laughs) the woman who is not a fan of mine. serious? And so I'm sweating. I'm sweating. Oh. I'm kneeling on the ground. I've got like paper everywhere. I've got the box opened. I've got all the parts of the <laughs> box lined like, out on the floor. You're like just looking up at her from the floor like, dear God woman. No, I did the thing a toddler does where I was like, mm. if I don't look at her, maybe she won't look at me. If I can't see her, perhaps she also can't see me. So I'm staring, but I'm also not moving. I've got the papers in my hand poised and sliding to the whole punch, but just waiting. And they're there for an eternity. Like they're not saying anything. They're just both looking. And like the woman, like the, the, the manager lady is just, she's got her, her um, earpiece. Yeah. You know how they have a little earpiece thing, the microphone up to yes. her mouth. And I'm waiting for her to just be uh-huh. like security, like aisle eight, yeah. <laughs> whole bunches. And then I don't know what happens, but it's like, it's like a miracle. Like they just turn and leave without getting anything off the shelf. So I don't know what was going on. I don't know who this kid was, if it was her kid. I don't know why they came and stood. Maybe there was something else going on that was unrelated to me, entirely possible, but they left. And so I'm like, fantastic. And so I get the last 30 pages and I'm gathering everything up and I start boxing everything up. And then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I've got to take the paper out of the, of the thing. And so I turn... You know, otherwise, you know, it's the evidence. And so I turn it over. <laughs> I've got to destroy the evidence. <laughs> I want this to be the perfect crime. I want no one yeah, to know course. I was there. And so I turn it over. For some fucking reason, the paper catching this thing requires screwdrivers to open. Like I couldn't just open it up. And so, awesome. <laughs> so I'm like, Jesus Christ. And so then I'm like, man, you just got to get out of here. Running out of time. So then I start yeah. like frantically boxing it up. And then I get on. And then I realize that there's cameras everywhere, but I'm wearing a mask. Everyone's wearing masks, but (laughs) I'm, because my hair's getting so long at the moment. I'm not sure if you can tell, but I've taken to wearing a lady's headband. Mm. So I don't know if this makes me like, if they were to do like a police identikit sketch, would this be included? They say, we're looking for a man, 5'10", dark hair, wearing what is commonly a lady's headband. Mate, if they are using our police resources <laughs> to do a police artist sketch on somebody who used a whole bunch three times and put it back in its box, then there is something severely wrong with our priorities in our society. So I go to check out. It's a victimless crime. Because yeah. Well, apart from the said, person who buys the whole punch who wanted a pristine, undamaged whole punch. But they don't know. They'll never know. They'll never because know. he's... Here's what you've said is it's really hard to empty out the paper at the bottom. So they're not going to empty it out every time. No. It's tricky to do. Yeah. So they're going to do a whole bunch of things. They're not going to know that there's some random other paper in there. Like, and if it, what, and look, 
Worst thing's worse. They go, oh, they probably do that at the factory the to check the whole bunch. I mean, that's what the I only think. way I could possibly be busted is if the, fir- the first person to use it is only punching a different color of paper. Like, this is white paper. I think yeah. I'm safe. The most common color of paper in the and world. And they're really particular about their whole bunch. <laughs> and they go down to the cops and they take these they little punched the out cops. holes and they said, you've got to match these. There is a script out there somewhere and you find, and then one day, like 20 years from now, like a dude just comes in with an envelope and he lays it on the table in front of you and it's all <laughs> the little punched out pieces of paper and that script that won like Oscars and is like rocketed you to fame and all this. <laughs> sort of things they slide perfectly into the holes yeah. and, and they like, strip yeah. me of all my awards <laughs> of all your awards I get humiliated stripped of my awards and humiliated so on the so I go up and so I'm still paying for the um, I've paid for the photocopying but I'm paying for like yeah. I you know, bought some folders and some clamps and all this kind of shit I did have some stationery there now before. Charlie can I ask you yeah. this uh, how did you pay for it oh no <laughs> With the Tofop company card. <laughs> Are you serious? Because yes. it's stationary. I can claim it. Oh, no. We're all going so down. You, you're telling me that you've dragged me into this crime. <laughs> yes. Mate. Mate, I'm going to... I will name names. <laughs> I'm not going down. Because if you... Like, because that's how they get you. They can't trace, like, anything else about... It's not going to be your... cash, you right. It's not going to be your girly headband. <laughs> it's going to be the fact that they'll just go, let's find out what credit card that dude used. Oh, no. We're going to get an invoice at, at Tofop for an $80 whole bunch. Is the name on the credit card, though? Is that what they do? They just go to the bank and they say, he, he paid with this uh, type of card. Who's the owner of the card? Can you identify... Identify people from their credit card. Yeah. Yes. Yes, you can. Well, but no. Yeah, shit. Okay. Well, me, you and Sam are going down. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was going to be the tag of the story though, is I went through Mm. all of that, all of that secrecy and all of that kind of like, you know, being feeling like I was being watched. And then half an hour before we were due to jump on, I got a text from Officeworks to say, your printing's done. Come pick it up. So I didn't even need to do it in the end. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I mean, they're good people, Office Works. That's what we're saying. It was a good story in the end. Although I did, yeah. when I went back in, it was the same grumpy woman. And when mm-hmm. I uh, had made... Did it, she hand it over with the contempt? Was she mad well, that you'd gone behind her back? Because like, she, you know, she would have been like, oh, this fucker came back well, he, and he found somebody else. Well, here's the... Th- yeah. Well, there was a little bit of that, but here's the thing... So when I was speaking to her assistant, this prospectus book, it's, it wasn't going to be A4 size. It was going to be a bit thinner than that. It's because, you know, it's this lookbook. It's got all these images and stuff mm. like that. So when I was showing it to her, I said, if you've got time, print it, but then cut off the borders. So, you know, it's a nice, neat, clean shape. Mm. And the girl said, oh, well, that might take longer. And I said, well, if it's going to take longer, don't worry about it. I can accept it with the borders, but only if you've got time. So when I turned up tonight, minutes before mm. recording... It had the border on it. I got out to the car and I was like, just take the win, Charlie. Take the win. Like, you mm-hmm. fucking got what you wanted. But I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I walked back in oh, no. <laughs> and I went up to the manager yeah. lady and I said, hey, um, would you have time just to trim the borders off this? And she looked at me and she's gone, that would be a completely new job. I'd have to book you and you wouldn't get it till Wednesday. <laughs> and I was like, all right, all right. Clearly, we're not getting any further in this conversation. She was like, Take your win, dude. Yeah, really. I mean, I had gone behind her back in a way. Like, if she'd been more vindictive, yeah. she could have blocked the sale. 
Yeah, she could have, like, you know what she could have done? She could have taken it back and she could have gone over to that cutting machine and just cut the thing in <laughs> half in front of you and just dropped it in the bin. And she said, how dare you use that hole punch without paying for it first? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think the hole punch is fine. Okay. Victimless crime. Okay, great. Uh, well, let's go to our mailbag. And if you want to send us some mail, the easiest way to do that is to go to tofop.com where there's a little contact menu on the splash page. You just go down, you select the podcast you want to contact and you send them an email. And while you're there, you might want to check out some of our other great podcasts like Willosophy. Who is on this week, Will? Uh, so uh, uh, Christian Van Vuren, who people might know from uh, Bondi Hipsters, rapper or Bondi Hipsters. Um, he has uh, done a documentary. It came out as a film, but it is now a two-part ABC documentary. You can find the whole thing on ABC iView. It is called Big Deal, and it's all about how money um, runs politics, basically. It's really fantastic. Uh, so really disheartening. I was going to say, ways, I want to watch it, but I think it's going to make me really angry. Yeah, well, it should. We should all be really angry. And we should all demand higher standards for our democracy. So you can uh, listen to uh, Christian on uh, Willosophy. And there was a Charlie Pickering episode last week. And I think there's going to be a, well, in the Tosh Greenslade and um, Declan Fay, both uh, episodes are coming up in the next week or so as well. And on Fovop, my guest is a, a young whippersnapper you might know. His name is Podcast Mike. Oh, nice. Okay. Is this like a splitting of the factions? Is this how this works? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just, you we you just, guys are not allowed to talk about me. No, it's just one hour bitching you out. <laughs> absolutely not allowed to talk about me. Well, that has got to be the only rule. No, I just thought it was, uh, I wanted to have Mike on because um, if people aren't aware, like Podcast Mike is quite prolific online. He's got a YouTube channel. He's got his own podcast. He's got social media accounts up the wazoo and they're all fantastic and very entertaining. In fact, he seems way overqualified <laughs> to be working Extra. for us. So I wanted yeah, to... We need to give him better opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that is coming out. Uh, well, that came out yesterday when you're hearing this. And on f- next Monday, so whatever it was today, uh, today is the 25th. So on the... Oh, fuck. How many? 30 days have September. That's like... April, June. Well, oh, you try to do math? Yeah. Uh, dates? Yeah. What are you, 30 what are days you have to September, say? April, June, and November. Okay, so... Um, on the 2nd of November, next Monday, Lessons for Life, four new episodes, brand new episodes are going to be uh, dropping on the Tofop YouTube channel. If you go to the Tofop TV and go to the Lessons for Life playlist, you'll see four brand new episodes of Lessons for Life with Alan Mercedes. Uh, long time in the making, fun time in the making, ready to release. Richie's um, uh, legitimate other acting stuff is done and dusted. He gave me permission to release the episodes now that there's enough distance between this and his real serious acting stuff. Um, so you can find that at Tofop TV on YouTube. But Will, this is a email from Jody, and it's quite a long one, so this might take us through to the end. Uh, it says, Hi, Will and Charlie. First, let me thank you, let, let me thank you all, both on behalf of all Tofop listeners in all our many forms, but especially on my own behalf, for helping us get through these unprecedented times. The discussion... Have we read this before? Yeah, I think we've read this before. I think we read this last week. Did we? Did we read this? She's a a lawyer? How... How would I know? Oh, you know what? Sorry, I'm going to apologize. Like you're not telling me what it's about, so how would because I know? Because it's long. and uh, look, Judy, I apologize. I'm just going to take mm. a second 
to check uh, if we've read this before. I'll read this next week if we have, in fact, not <laughs> read this out. Because sometimes I forget to clear my inbox. Okay. All right, here we go. This is a letter from Daisy. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Scream reboot? I saw the trailer today. I'm not sure how I feel when you see the three originals and how much older they are. Has it really been that long since the original came out? I'm feeling very old. Thanks for being in my ears uh, re- regularly. Uh, we'll miss two guys, one cup in the off-season. Bring on 2022 Go Pies. Uh, Scream, are you a fan of the franchise? I mean, early on, definitely. Like, I remember, like, Scream blowing my mind a little bit. Yeah, like, I saw it at the it. movies. Like, I, yeah, I saw it at the movies. It was, like, hip and fun in a way that, like, a lot of those movies weren't at the time, like, very self-aware and, like, you know, I think Kevin Williamson had written it in, like, 11 days or something. Like, it was one of those right, sort of... Yeah. It came with a bit of a back backstory. He went and locked himself in, a like, in a hotel room for three weeks or whatever and wrote it. And, like, it felt really fresh and really well, hip. It, was, it felt really don't f- know if I've, fresh and hip mm. because it was the first of those postmodern, self-aware mm. horror films because that was the whole point. Yeah. It's like... Like in the 90s, that was the thing, right? The era of Kevin Smith and Tarantino was it was people in pop culture commenting on pop culture. And that was kind of new at the time. It's sort of old hat now. But that seems so like fresh and original that characters in a horror movie would be commenting on the exact tropes and cliches that happen in horror movies. Yeah, absolutely. And then everyone went, oh, that's a good idea. Let's do that. Well, every, do, you, so, do you remember that every horror movie poster after Scream yeah. was a version of the Scream poster, which was like the close-ups of all the faces in decreasing order in, in the blackness? Well, there was just so much of it that was so iconic. Like, they got the mask right. They got that, like, I mean, that scene, like, just that, yeah, the Drew, I think is it the Drew Barrymore scene? The is she scene. in the first one? Yeah, yeah. yeah, right? The opening scene where he's like, he's in the house and like, all that stuff just was like, oh, this is... This is something mm. like this is an actual like, and I I think I've probably seen them all, but I couldn't tell you what happens in the because I know it just kind of keeps going and there's like I just can't really remember, I remember what the happens. Second one is it's Laurie Metcalf is the killer. She's mm. the mother of Skeet Ulrich. I can't believe it's mm. not Johnny Depp. And then I don't know what happens in the third one or how many more there have been. In the franchise. I did watch the trailer for the new one and I was not excited. I can understand why the time is ripe for a reboot because we are entering that postmodern phase again where it's like you want to comment on the thing that everyone knows about, but doesn't feel fresh anymore. Um, no. Well, I haven't even watched the trailer. So I guess that is an indication of my level of interest. But I will watch it when it comes out. Uh, this is from Genevieve. She says, Tofop team. Long time, first time, if you don't count my failed attempts to fax you. Oh, dear. RIP mm-hmm. fax. I was very happy to hear you chat about playgrounds. I work in the field of play, and I'm a huge advocate for play of all ages. Have you guys heard about intergenerational play? Mm, hang on. This is about to get <laughs> This is swingers. <laughs> Just leave your keys in a bowl. 
There are places that exist where grandma, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, you won't believe this. There's places that exist. There are places that exist where grandma can do her weights as toddlers are asleep in tunnels. And I would love to see more and more of this for all ages across the world. Play does such amazing things for everyone of all ages. It helps develop and maintain our brains, our sense of self, our joy and our physical abilities. I would encourage all Tofoppers to get on a swing every now and then. I think I did when I was younger. Um, I I did, hang on, I did think that when I was younger that swingers were just cool adults who visited parks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> also, I would love to say cheers for the years of chat. You're both very playful. I love all the play puns. If she was a Batman villain, she'd be the player. Because <laughs> like, everything's just like a little play pun. <laughs> you know what she's after? Yeah, she's after, yeah, she's the player. She's the player. Um, let me just slide into your DMs, gentlemen, as I <laughs> take you on a roundabout. Anyway, there's <laughs> a roundabout, it's not even a playground, is it? What do you call those things? The spinneroonies? Um, um, merry-go-round? No, no what do you call the spinny different. things? A roustabout? No. The spinneroonies is like... Booker T's finishing move. <laughs> finishing move. Also, I'd love to say cheers to the ease of chat. You're both very playful and I appreciate... It I will surely keep your inner children very happy and your brains healthier for longer. I'm sure it has been said before, but it is so satisfying for a listener to travel through time through the pod, which is a common TOEFOP theme, and hear your friendship continue and the same very silly stories over and over. <laughs> that doesn't sound like well, praise. Yeah, that that sounds like a damning <laughs> criticism. If you were talking about two old men with dementia in a nursing home, it yeah. might be the same <laughs> thing. The same things day by day. Uh, thank you for all the nonsense. Um, for an om, uh, an omnithologist, what's an, what's an ornithologist? What's an ornithologist? Oh, an ornithologist. That's one of those Birds. things that it feels like we should know. Is it? Yeah, ornith- ornithologist. You keep on talking, so they keep on squawking. Perfect. Uh, this next bit of mail comes from Oliver. Do you think Oliver? Ever has someone say to him, please, sir, can I have some more? 100% he has not had a day that's gone by in his entire <laughs> life since he got that cursed name that somebody has not said that. Um, Oliver, the subject is one of your youngest TOEFOP listeners. Oh, okay. Nice. Well, maybe like for a young Oliver. Oh, no, that's even worse, isn't it? When you're at like a young... Yeah, because there he's an urchin. Yeah. yeah. Although none of his mates would probably do it. It'd be all annoying adults like us. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Will and Charlie. I know this is quite a long letter, but I would love you to read it on the pod. Long-time listener of the show, first time writing in. I do not mean to belittle Charlie, but I've been a big fan of Will's for a long time. I mean, is that... By praising you, does it damn me? I don't think that it does. But I think no. that sometimes... like People if we feel be- like... If They've we've turned up both, to a party with yeah. a bottle of wine for you and nothing for me. Yeah. You're like, um, you can have a slug, mate. <laughs> when we open it, you can have a slug. Uh, the first time I saw a clip of Will's comedy was in 2015 when I was... Uh, 15 years old. Younger. Uh, 10 years old. When he was 10 years old. I think it was from the Melbourne Comedy Festival of 2011. And once I had I like one, his version, by the way, of... That he's been a big fan of mine for years. Like I've been, like you've actually been. Like it's only it's quite a small part of my career to be honest. Your life, dude. I went down the rabbit hole finding more funny stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Despite the fact that it was mildly inappropriate for my age at the time, it was very yeah. funny. Since then, Will has been one of my favourite comedians. And I was a bit jealous when my parents got to meet Will in 2017 after my mum's cousin, Natalie Locke, introduced them to Will following a gig. Does that name ring okay. a bell? Uh, sure. No. Okay. I started listening to Tofop three years ago when I was 13, and I've enjoyed every episode. Okay. It does suck as a 16-year-old now with mates that mm. don't listen to podcasts that I can't talk to them about a podcast with two middle-aged men who discuss their bin issues and abnormally, abnormally enthusiastic interest in The Rock. I mean, can you imagine having to explain that to 16-year-old friends? I mean, what would have been the equivalent when we're in high school? So, so if he was 16, so we are, what, 30, more than 30, 35 years older than him. So when you and I were at high school, who would, would that have been Monty Python? How old's John Cleese? He'd be 70-something? Yes, I, I believe we're exactly like Monty Python. Okay, but a shit version of Monty Python. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kevin yeah, Bloody okay. Wilson. But even, no, but at high school, all your mates love Kevin Bloody Wilson. Like, But it is, I think that this could be something because it is adults. Like, we're people you're, yeah. pe- like, I mean... Like, we're your I parents' age. Like, I imagine that Oliver's parents are probably the same age as I am, yeah. right? Like, because I'm 47. What's 16. he, like, 16 years old? So that means, yeah, like, if they were 30 in their, like, 30s when they have, so of the same generation, I, right? So yeah. for him, this is like, imagine, like, tuning into a podcast and hearing people your parents' age talk the fucking nonsense that we I talk. mean, I guess, like, there were mates of mine who did not like Monty Python, who mm. thought it was just dumb old people shit. Or, like, you know what it would be like? The Goon Show. The Goon Show was just a bit too far removed for me to get. Like, I know that my dad and his mates liked it. And I could I, I could see the kind of seeds of, oh, yeah, this is meant to be funny, <laughs> but I don't get it because it's old men doing funny voices and shit. But even at my school, like, things like the big gig and, like, the Doug Anthony All-Stars and that style of comedy was only a kind of niche. Was it? comedy in the schoolyard like the the like yeah. the comedy company and fast forward the and like stuff. these big sort of they your mainstream yeah. that's what everybody was into like to be into those abc shows or those it's abc true. acts was still it was kind yeah. of a bit i guess like nerdy, like you know? the majority of my mates weren't watching the money or the gun when i was at high school no <laughs> even the late show we all remember the late show as being this like really popular show but it's only really popular between like all of our friends because it affected us all so much and made us want to do what we do. But was that not wasn't that mainstream popular? No, it only had two seasons because it wasn't popular. It didn't do that well. Is that right? Yeah. But it was Fucking like that hell, first wow. what they say about that first um oh uh, Lou Reed um album, what's his band called? The Velvet Underground. Um, yeah. so the first album like sold 50 copies or whatever when it came out but like or, that everyone who bought a copy went and started a band or whatever the thing they say is and the band like that was what the late show I mean it, it became more popular in its sort of legend and as people discovered it on like video mm. and all those sort of things but you know it was only a, it was only a two season show that's interesting uh, my older brother who also listens to this show and myself often talk about Tofop and Tofop stories at the dinner table, which leaves my parents slightly confused, okay. but interested. Charlie's old man experiences are usually talked about and has led my brother, my mum, and myself to conclude that Charlie is very similar to my dad. Okay, there you go. <laughs> which makes sense. In recent years, dad has had issues with the neighbours, which has led to him doing some pretty Charlie-ish things. 
<laughs> like putting some brightly painted tree stumps on our front verge to stop the neighbours from driving on the verge garden. My mum remarks, Charlie sounds just like your dad. With dad replying, I can totally understand why this Charlie did that. <laughs> I love two guys, one cup. Your footy knowledge or lack thereof is amusing and sometimes cringeworthy. <laughs> that sounds about right. schooled by a 16-year-old. <laughs> they tell it like it is, the kids. They do. I'm trying hard not to flex on Charlie here. <laughs> but I'm an Eagle supporter and I've already seen two premierships in my lifetime. Oh, it's an amazing God. feeling to witness your team win a premiership. Mm. No, you haven't seen... Oh, he has. Yeah. One was... Hey, buddy... Bullshit. The first flag was when you were born. That doesn't count. You have not seen two flags in your lifetime. You can't count that. In the first six years, doesn't count. I mean, you're still alive and you can watch the replay. Yeah, but... Yeah. You didn't live through the season. You didn't live through the season. It's an amazing feeling to witness your team win a premium. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> I'm getting pissed off, Oliver. <laughs> I do sympathize with you, Charlie. And I hope that you might experience that feeling one day. Well, great. The 16-year-old's bloody he's, trying to make me feel bad. patronising you. You're being patronised by a 16-year-old. He's going to call me a city boy very soon. Yeah. During, lock- <laughs> During lockdown last year, I started listening to Faux Fop from the start and then the earlier Toe Fop episodes, which has been a real eye-opener <laughs> in terms of what 30-something-year-old men like to discuss occasionally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the great content. You guys have always made me laugh, and I truly appreciate the work you do to release such entertaining stuff. I recently became a Patreon subscriber because I realized that the pod is worth paying for. You know what? We're getting a little pocket money. A little pocket money. <laughs> He's, you know, collecting trolleys at his local woolies, and we're bloody <laughs> dipping our beaks. Patreon. I appreciate His mum is like, can you please save for a car or to put yourself through uni? He's like, nope. No, I have a podcast I want to support. There's two middle-aged men. <laughs> also, keep up the great work on Gruen. Will, it's one of my favourite shows. Excellent. Well, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a nice yes, little segue. Uh, Gruen is Gruen's back, back in right? Fact, episode three will have gone to air. Oh, no, it goes to air the day that you might be hearing this, if you listen to it when it first comes out. Um, I think it'll be a very fun show. Um, like, we record tomorrow, so... Um, but I was just uh, signing off on the, the kind of final stuff we were putting in the show just before we started the podcast. And, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about it. We've got some really fun... Oh, I can probably say it by now because it's like, will it happen? Yeah. You know, but um, uh, so Ben Lee, the lovely Ben Lee, uh, uh, born oh, for yeah. this bullshit, is his new songwriter song. Ben yes, Lee. Yes, exactly. And uh, we had this idea because we're using like a little clip of Ben. So sometimes we have like people who've written jingles. Yeah, you know, we had the Bunnings guy like do his song and all these sort of things on the show just as like a little fun thing at the end of the show. And so we were trying to think of something fun to do. And we we're like, oh, well, we're using like a Ben jingle and like in the you know, the show, so maybe we could ask Ben to do something and we had a couple of ideas about, like, you know, do you want to do a rewrite lyrics of, you know, Catch My Disease or something or like blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I had a bit of a chat to him and I was just like, here's the vibe. Like, we don't really, it doesn't really need to be anything in particular. It's just at the end of the show, we just want something that's like fun, but I'm really actually just happy if you want to like come up with your own take on it and what will ever suit you. So anyway, I'm expecting that like he'll just like you know do a little like you know 20 second jingle on his phone and send it through. Something like, easy. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, he sends it through to me like you know tonight, and um, 
Like, he set up the disco lights in his, like, you know, lounge room or whatever. Like, he's on his Zoom. He's, like, looped it through. Like, he's actually recorded it properly and, like, looped it around. And he's written, like, so the premise is, like, it feels like a little, like, Tonight Show bit because essentially he does this little intro about, like, you know, I know you guys are really interested in the history of, like, advertising jingles. Um, You had the Bunnings guy on. Um, One of the stories that wasn't told was I was originally commissioned to do the Bunnings jingle, like, because they wanted lyrics. And I sent them the lyrics and then I just never heard from them again. So like, you know, I'm going to play you my version. So anyway, he's redone the Bunnings scene with lyrics. And it's this song about like going, getting stoned and going to Bunnings. And it's good. <laughs> like it's literally one of those things where like I've listened to it three it. times and I'm just like, this, this is like a banger. <laughs> it's like when Girl did yeah. our theme music and it's like, this is actually yeah, a really good song. You're making the rest of the show look bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, check yes. out Will on Gruen. Oliver finishes by saying, I play a lot of footy, but Carl Barron is not my favourite comedian. Do I need to see a doctor to get my head checked out? No, no. Thank you, Oliver. It is very nice to have you listening to the show and enjoying all the stuff. And, um, yeah, I don't know how I feel about a young fella having listened to the early episodes nah. of Top. I feel like that's still... Yeah, but he's old enough, right? Like 15, 16. Like, you're a teenager. In the last You've three. Shit. Yeah, exactly. The internet. I mean, We're tame on. compared to what you can find come on bloody on. Red Tube. This, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you for joining us for another episode of Toe Fault. Will, go get some rest. Uh, I'm Charlie Clausen. I'm Will Anderson. <laughs> <laughs>